You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin. And I'm Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Friends, this is the final in our series on leadership that we've been doing over the last few weeks. And uh, today we're speaking with Melissa Russell, who serves as IJM's International Justice Mission's Regional President of North America. And she leads the strategy and the teams responsible for IJM's constituents, government, corporate partnerships in both the US and Canada. She's got a long history with IJM, has been there since 2008, has worked with the Advancement Group as well there. And under her leadership, IJM scaled significant growth through government grants and the IJM Freedom Partner Program uh, and their volunteer movement. And she's launched offices in different parts of Asia. And so and when you hear Melissa, you'll you'll see why a lot of things has happened have happened mm. at IJM under her leadership. She's a dynamic and fun and interested and insightful and wise leader who's um, who's just engaging really well in in work around the world, but also caring well for her team. So we talked about like as we have with a number of these conversations, we talked about what makes a wise leader, but also what about power and how do you think about success and. Yeah, Melissa was great. She she touched on a lot of different areas, but specifically that area you touched on, Claire, was impactful. Is why raising women in leadership in places of influence is pivotal for ending uh, world slavery. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Melissa Russell. Melissa, welcome to the Regent College Podcast. It's so fun to have you. Oh, thanks, Claire. I'm really, really looking forward to today. Thanks for having me. No worries. You did say it was going to be the highlight of your day. So Highlight yes. of my day. Maybe my week, I think. Whoa. So, hi, hey. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> The pressure's rising for us all. Like, yeah, gee, no I hope kidding. this really hits it. This is going to be good. Every five minutes, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're part of it. You're gonna we're gonna have a conversation around leadership, and so it's great to have you kind of here. But why don't you talk a little bit about your journey with IJM um, yeah. and just share with us people who don't know IJM. Tell us a little bit about IJM and the mission of IJM, Absolutely. but yeah, and how you got to be involved. Absolutely. Well, um, I'll, I'll start off with the mission because that's actually how I how I mm-hmm. got involved. So so IJM. Uh, we're the world's largest anti-slavery organization, uh, and we fight violence uh, in developing economy countries. So violence against women and children, slavery, and really we have two focuses. One is removing people out of situations. So tens of thousands we've rescued from violence and oppression. But what we ultimately want is that the system is is fixed, that, mm. the, that there are uh, like system reforms that prevent the violence from happening in the first place. So it's really mm. twofold immediate uh, relief, and that's so important, uh, but also just long-term sustainability. And I, you know, I first heard about IJM, I, uh, my pastor at church uh, talked about the organization, and this was probably 2003 when I first heard about it. And, you know, I was, I had just finished up graduate school. My husband had just started uh, his own small business, And we were very, very lean. And I heard about the mission of IJM and I gave at the time probably a $10 gift that was very sacrificial for us at the time. Um, But I was so moved by the work. And so really started off as a donor. And then over time was like, you know, if I could go work anywhere, Mm -hmm. um, I I had been working in marketing and in, in engagement and 
thought, you know, if I could do that anywhere, I'd love to do that for, for international justice mission. So oh I've been there God. 14 years. Okay. Wow. A $10 yeah. gift. $10 yeah. so gift. Good. <laughs> so good. So, so good. good. So good. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. So we're talking about leadership. And yep. one of the questions we've been asking uh, all of our guests is just wondering a framework for a biblical leadership and mm. why is biblical leadership and what, what you think that looks like, like how you would articulate that in whatever direction you want to take it, you know, the whole of the Bible yeah. and condensing it down to your thoughts in that. Okay. I'll say it super simply, and then you may want to pull on a thread, yeah, but good. I would say know the Lord and know thyself. Like mm-hmm. of those two, in terms of biblical wise leadership, um, just certainly knowing the Lord, knowing the Lord personally, knowing the Lord in the Bible, knowing scripture, engaging in that, mm-hmm. and also knowing what are all the things that you are bringing to the table, mm-hmm. all, all the wonderful and amazing gifts God brings, but also all the baggage. And I think right. knowing your baggage is super critical to being able to lead well mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do how do you how do you know the Lord? So you're saying that in scripture, in kind yeah. of your own personally. What does that what does that look like? And perhaps what does that look like for you as you lead? Like you're, you know, you're seeing hard stuff. Totally. Yeah. And no doubt there's a bit of a like, is is the Lord actually the Lord of all? If all mm. of these things are, you know, like how so how do you sort of know the Lord in the context of really dark, hard things yeah. as you try and lead the organization? You know, I so in terms of knowing the Lord, so the power that raised Christ from the dead is still alive in the world today. Mm-hmm. And so just mm-hmm. seeing that power of redemption in the places where we work, it's miraculous. I mean, honestly, it's quite difficult to draw, to draw close to it, but it's so easy to see the like the long-term, very large systemic change that things, abuses that exist for centuries in, in dark communities within years are, are, are becoming transformed. And so I think that's just a result of, of God's people entering into hard places and, and showing up and the Lord working there. So I'll be honest, the work is actually what, what I feel like I can, I know the Lord's power the most right. because I just see it so, so closely and so viscerally, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, so there's that, but I would also just say, Again, knowing the gospel and feeling the love of Jesus and the <laughs> saying it so simply, but no, yeah. the forgiveness of sins, because I think especially when you're leading a team, you know, when you fail and you will, you get to do it publicly and you get to feel the weight of it. Mm. And if you don't have a really good framework for, for the love of Christ for you and his redemption of you, it, it just makes it very difficult to lead. Mm. So again, please keep pulling on any thread oh, uh, yeah. here, but, you know, seeing the Lord's power in, in the world, seeing it in my life and knowing, and knowing the grace that is like love and forgiveness of Jesus mm-hmm. personally, mm. which requires time. I mean, it's not prescriptive. I think we all, you know, can experience that type of stillness time with God differently. Mine typically tends to be outside on a run on a walk that's mm-hmm. where my time um it, i feel like is most manifest but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's beautiful yeah no so good and it's 
Yeah, as you say, it's like it's kind of like I'm. I was thinking about it in terms of seeing really hard things happen, but it's like actually no. Some of that hard stuff happens when I fail as a leader as well. So actually, you oh, know, yeah. kind of knowing God's grace and the bigness of God's redemptive story in like in both your leadership as well as in the the situations yep. where you're trying to lead and see see kind of change. Yeah, super super helpful. Thanks. You you also touched on knowing yourself too, and yeah. I wonder like for, for you has that just come over time with your leadership style and giftings or did you I mean did you take an enneagram test like what do, how did you <laughs> sure. know all, yeah. yourself yeah sure all the tests so <laughs> the Myers-Briggs the enneagram the strengths finders and quite honestly Nick um I, I I firmly believe in 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 therapy I firmly believe in people engaging people outside of themselves that have a framework for mm. God and have a framework for psychology and really doing that deep work, that family systems work, engaging in where you're from, because that truly is what you're, it's what you're bringing to all relationships, right? It's what you're bringing to your perception of the world. It's what you're bringing to how, what the things that really trigger you. Mm. And, And those are different for every single person, right? And they're typically not, you know, it's when you have those feelings, you know, something happens in a meeting and the internal like reaction is right. far larger than whatever is, you know, the thing in front of you. And that's mm-hmm. always a sign, which is like, this is, this actually doesn't have anything to do with what's going on here. Yes. What, what does this have something to do with? And let me figure that out. So I'm not spewing that all over, you know, all over the team I'm leading, all, all over the peers I'm engaging with. But that that takes time. And it honestly mm. takes work. And it takes someone who knows a little bit more about that than myself or my best friend or my spouse. You know, yeah. that that's that's what I found. Yeah. 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 Then that thing where it's like, yeah, the internal, the internal thing is it's, it's not like the, yeah, the reaction is like, mm, that's not really what this is about. There's, no. there's something else going on here. Something else going on <laughs> underneath that. We should probably, we should probably take a look at that. We should probably take a look at that with Jesus yeah. uh, and, and, and experience, you know, uh-huh. healing in this area. Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about as well. So, so much of your work is, you know, across continents and across yeah. kind of different, um, you know, a different cultural background to to a, an American from the South, and you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um. And so, how how kind of talk to us about that that sort of crossing, either cross denominational, cross cultural, you know, maybe worldview. What's yeah. it? Talk to us about leading across across different boundaries and across yeah. different. Mm. You know, I think especially when you're working with teams globally, like. You know, when I go back to scripture, you know, God, you know, one, one body, many parts. And the part of the verse that I love in Corinthians that follows that is, and he has made, he has put each part exactly where he intended it to be. So you got one body, many parts and the distinctiveness actually designed by God. And he has put each part where he intended it to be. And so really honoring, honoring that, because that is like God designed, God ordained. And so when I think about especially gauging cross-culturally is really like an appreciation, I think, especially in a North American context. So, you know, the way, you know, Canadians and, and U.S. citizens engage with, you know, people abroad, there's a perception, there's uh, can sometimes be a deference, there can be a lot of 
saying is if you're not aware of and consciously trying to engage, uh, you could miss different communication styles, mm. you know, different ways of communicating. And it takes a while to, to learn that for the different teams and cultures that we, you know, get to have it at mm. IJM. And so, but it's, it's the, it's the awareness of it and the deliberateness of, again, self-awareness in a different mm. culture, being aware of, uh, of the impact that you have, how things mm. can be perceived. And not that anyone does that perfectly, mm-hmm. but I think the, the awareness of it is super, super important. Yeah. Well, I was, you, you kind of touched on it, but do you, did that come with time for you and for, for for what you've observed, like the awareness piece of just experiencing another culture and how you lead versus maybe how somebody is led or maybe how other cultures might lead. Did that just come with time or did you have some training in that too through IJM or? Both, both. I, you know, I, I had a, a, one of my uh, former bosses, his name is Sean Litton and he was our global president. He'd been at IJM for a long time. And he, he really was the one who I would say, you know, kind of invented the core of our programmatic work. And he, this was one of his biggest passions is, and, and, and he had lived for extended period of time in, in, you know, a couple of different places in Southeast Asia. And because all of our programmatic work at one time was under him, like really understanding, you know, the impact that it makes when you're engaging, I think, especially in leadership, I think, especially, you know, in leadership from another country, Anyway, he really impressed it up, mm-hmm. uh, upon um, upon his team, upon me to understand that. And so, and then I think obviously just experiencing it and knowing people, you know, again, I think a lot of this becomes learning over time. Mm-hmm. No one's going to knock mm-hmm. it out of the park, totally. but you can really create some shortcuts by some good training and engagement. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it is part of the know thyself, isn't it? Like it's so yeah. much of it is, it's like, right, I'm Australian. That's yeah. perceived in certain ways. I'm an American. I, that's perceived Absolutely. in certain ways. I'm white. I, that's perceived in certain ways. And yeah, there's different things. Yeah, there's a, there's a, it takes that sort of the awareness and the kind of doing your own work so that you don't yeah. then bleed all the, yeah, the complexities <laughs> around that into other places yeah. that then cause all sorts Absolutely. of other issues. And yeah. Um, yeah. Super. It's, it's all part of those, that, that, those key, know the Lord, know thyself. Mm-hmm. Look at that it all comes back to that. Um, now, so part, often in leadership, there's you know, um, it, growth is a part of it, and growth is good, mm. but also growth can be challenging. Um, do and that's probably the case with IJM. You know, it started mm. small and now it's big. Um, mm-hmm. How how do you sort of how do you how do you think about scaling organizations and how to do it well? And yeah, yeah. I mean, we I think about it literally all of the time and yeah. and honestly having just i've you know i have the best team in north america i just yeah you do i'm sure so you much. Do. They're, they're an amazing team uh they work really hard uh they're a ton of fun to work with but especially within north america and sort of our role within the organization it requires a lot of growth mm. and so you know we're constantly needing to scale our, our structure and our systems and our processes to support that growth. Mm. So the structure that, you know, was supporting the organization well two and a half, three years ago is actually no longer the structure that is going to support us to the next stage of growth. And so 
I think, you know, really being aware of that, I think not changing all the time uh, willy-nilly, but actually engaging the team. And, and honestly, I think so much of it is expectation. So I think for anyone who's coming in, especially to the North America team, I'm consistently saying, okay, this is actually a great organization to be a part of. Wonderful work, wonderful, wonderful peers. Because we're scaling, that's going to mean growth and job opportunities, some of which don't even exist right now. And that's all very positive. But for that to happen requires change. And if change is not something because you know that you want to sign up for right now, truly, and that's okay, because mm-hmm. there have been periods in my life where I'm like, you know what, this is this is I got so much going on over here. Change at work is just not the thing. Don't I deal with it. Yeah. You know what? There's mm-hmm. no wrong answer to that. But the IJM North America would not be the place because we're going to have to, to support the growth that we need. So about every two and a half years, we're looking at refining the structure and the systems and the processes to support the growth. Mm-hmm. If we can have it 18 18 months to, you know, to 24 months of sort of engaging in that process and, and setting that as the expectation, mm-hmm. like, this is what we're going to do. Because I think if it's, and I've done it before where I didn't do it well, where it was mm. it, either it had to be, or because I, I, you know, was not mature enough in my leadership to, to do change management well done, you know, had to be done quickly. Mm. It's, you know, that's hard for people. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think expectations is, is really important in the process. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of touched on, uh, maybe the next question is cause you, Thanks for sharing vulnerably about maybe how you haven't done that change or that shift well in the past. But I wonder if, you know, there's this idea of success and a successful leader and what actual success looks like. So what for you, and maybe in light of sharing what you just shared, like what does success look like for you as a leader? Mm. You mean beyond your, did you hit your goals and your KPIs? Yeah, your KPIs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a part of it. I don't know. The, the, the deeper question, Nick. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> the deeper question there. I respect that. You know, I, I think honestly, the, oh, this is such a great question. You know, honestly, I think it is developing leaders. So if I could say, I think, especially if you come from a, being an individual contributor to managing a team, to managing you know, leaders who lead teams. For me, it's, you know, honestly being a steward. I I really see myself as, because I feel like this is how God wants me to engage as a steward of people's talents. And Mm. so the gifts that he's given them, not to cling too tightly, because when you have really awesome team members, man, it can be tempting to be like, I always want you at IJM. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I always want you on my team because you're awesome. Mm-hmm. But, but that is a scarcity. Uh, that's a scarcity mindset. And so I've really felt like, what at the end of the day, do I have to answer to God for? I have to answer to God. Was I, was I honest in how I pursued objectives? Did I make decisions because I was trying to please people or because I was afraid of how people would react or did I, did I make decisions based on what I think is the right thing that God is leading us to do, the, the, the sound thing? And honestly, did I, you know, for the, especially my direct reports, 
Uh, was I a good steward of their talents? And did I help get them to wherever it is God is calling them next? Either mm. if, if that's on my team, that's great. If it's not on the North America team, wherever it may be. And, and mm. honestly, that is, I'm very passionate about that. Mm. Yeah. I wondered too, I want that kind of that whole idea of like delegating work and that kind of thing. How mm. do you balance the kind of like in the weeds, like you're in the details and then, but then you're also at the kind of like, you know, hundred foot, what, how hard does a plane fly? I don't know how far, like, the, you know, whatever, like above the ground kind of thing. Like, you know, the sort of like the, in the details, in the weeds, it's kind of like, I sort of need to know what's going on here, but I was like, ah, oh, you know what, that's, I need to leave that. How do you, how do you balance that dynamic? Do you know what I mean? The two foot, yeah. hundred foot kind of. Yeah. I think, you know, a really, um, a really important, I would say for everyone who, again, moves from individual contributor to managing a team being very deliberate at the beginning of that, at the front of that process to redefine success for yourself. Mm. So for example, for, um, you know, if you're, let's say you're leading a team for me, historically, one of the teams I led was leading um, donors and engaging with donors and direct fundraising. Well, if I'm leading that team that's working with donors, if my, if I have not made a conscious effort to say, actually the success is not, contingent on me doing that because if I if I don't do that what I'm going to find myself doing is engaging more than I need to be engaging more directly with donors than I need to going down too much in details because I'm still in Mm. my mind thinking my success means you know I have had a significant hand in developing a donor relationship that you know results in an investment and I I had to learn that pretty early on I have to redefine success, and that is that this person, I will win if this person is as good as or better, ideally better than me at, at the job that I have. And if if you define success as someone being better than you, mm. then that's awesome because you're going to try to find people and set them up to succeed because when they do, you'll be like, I mean, I've succeeded. My goal was to have amazing people who do these components of this work better than I do, which I can say emphatically is the case uh, in the team that I get to work with now. Um, So I I think, you know, once that happens, clear, like what's the objective? What's our strategy to get there? How am I going to measure success? And then only talking about those things. Because the, the the did you accomplish this versus the like, how exactly did you go about it? Mm. You didn't do it the way I would do it. I, you can't get down into those details because everyone's different. So as lo- for my team, as long as you are hitting the objectives, which means we got to do a really good job on the front end, articulating what you need to accomplish. Because if I just pull back and I haven't been clear on what needs to be accomplished, that's that's a recipe for disaster. But like, if we're all clear what we're running towards together, and this is at the end of the day, what you're going to, your performance will be evaluated on, then I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to surprise you with some surprise metrics or some surprise, you know, unarticulated mm-hmm. way that I hoped you had done your job. I care mm-hmm. how you do it in terms of how you treat people, mm-hmm. but that's also something that you're evaluated on too. So that's not going right. to be a surprise either. So I think if I can play up there and also people just like to work with people who engage that way. No, no one likes people in their micromanaging. But, but, you know, if I don't understand something, I will say 
You know, I do like to understand it enough. So when we have scaled and grown or I've taken on new, you know, types of teams, I like to spend time with the leaders. Just explain your landscape to me. Take me down. I want to understand how it works. I don't have to understand all the details, but I do want to understand your world so that I can serve you better. Mm -hmm. So that is an important part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So helpful. Yeah. Good. Really good. I wonder if we can switch gears a bit and talk about uh, power specifically. Um, power being your your ability, but oftentimes power can be seen as a negative light. But it, you know, it's actually a really good thing. We all have power and influence. Um, I wonder if you could talk about power and influence and how you see this in your in your own leadership in your own organization. Yeah. Well, I am deals in nothing but power in the sense of mm -hmm. our our entire purpose is because there's someone who has power and they've abused it so they've mm -hmm. abused it to uh, take advantage of someone um, who has less power so uh, has taken away their ability to um, to pursue life they've taken away their ability to you know, have freedom over their own body of the way in which they, you know, they're especially for our, our uh, work in uh, wid with widows and orphans in mm -hmm. Africa, take it, you know, stolen from them. So that, it's all about the abuse of power and the correct stewardship of it. So mm -hmm. just the core of our mission spends a lot of time looking at power. And then a lot of what we do in Canada and the U.S. is how do we help power agencies in the world uh, engage with national governments uh, to own the protection of their citizens like that like how are we moving corporations how, how do we engage you know the the Canadian government how do we engage the US government to engage uh, in these in these things so there's power is just uh, power is God gives us power he gives us agency he gives us dominion mm. um, and so it's not anything to be afraid of, but mm -hmm. it's a constant check in how are you stewarding your own power? Mm -hmm. And again, you know, I think that manifests itself in our homes, with our family, with our children, you know, and, and certainly in leadership, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's the, it's the same concept. It's nothing to be afraid of because right. again, everyone has, has agency that God has given them no, no matter how, seemingly small it is there's nothing i think small in the kingdom of god but mm -hmm. you know it's it's there so how do you steward it and what's unfortunate and here's what i'll say because i actually speak a lot about this with women unfortunately i think um because of some historic dysfunction in the church you know uh women have a hard time with power Mm -hmm. And um, and I think for two reasons, I think especially within North America, this I engage with women on this, women who have a tremendous amount of power in the world, tremendous amount of power to move their government, tremendous amount of power to direct investment, and they either don't realize that they have it. And mm -hmm. I'm speaking particularly mm -hmm. right now of Christian women, though I think I could you could take this out. They don't, they don't know they have it, or if they do, they feel bad about using that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not biblical. And so... And what that means, though, for someone, so take me, who is really actively engaged in moving agents of power to engage on people who have had their power taken from them. And if you have power, but you don't know you have it, or if you do, you don't, you think it's bad for you to use it, that's really bad news for the people I'm trying to engage with around the world, the people we're trying to help. Because you have agency, you have power to move uh, you know, 
policy of power to move investment to actually help these people. So I, I care greatly that people understand that they have power and that they're not afraid to use it, uh, especially for good things. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. I was wondering, I don't know if this is what you were saying. I wasn't sure if I heard you correctly, but I wonder about this. So, you know, so you're you're in a position of leadership and power in an organisation that's engaging with big, you know, governments and people in power. Uh, and then sometimes then, but women, as you say, Christian women then within the church, it's kind of like, oh, I could, I've got power there, but I somehow that doesn't translate here. Not that we have to always be like, not that we always need to be like in, in positions of leadership in churches, but have, not. yeah, but, but, but sometimes we, sometimes women do. And it's like, well, I'm, if I'm allowed to be in power there, why, why does that somehow, is that hard for me in the church? I don't, do you have any thoughts around that in terms of engaging in leadership in the world and in, in different, and in the church in different ways? I don't know. Sure. That's Yeah. Well, and, you know, again, I think this is something that uh, denominations around yeah. the world are, are working through, totally. especially as they're, you know, interpreting scripture and discerning what does what does that mean? You know, I, I personally think God very much, you know, invites women for, into leadership in a variety of places, including the church. Yeah. But I, but I do understand that that's, that's not where everyone comes from. And when they don't, I actually understand it's coming from a, a place of sincerity and, and, totally. and true desire to, to live that out. That's, mm-hmm. that's not where I come from. Mm-hmm. I, it's where I came from historically. It's not where I am now. I think the more I've engaged with scripture, but what I'm, what I'm talking about more is when I, like, let's say I'm engaging at a women's conference. I think especially, uh, for women and men, but stay at home, stay at home mothers or mothers who, you know, are engaging in the church, you know, in a non-leadership capacity, but being very, can be dismissive of the power and influence that they have. You don't right. have to have a leadership role, right? massive impact in how your, what your family focuses on and what your church focuses on. A lot of this comes from, you know, men and women. And so, I think anyone who's dismissive of their power and leadership, no matter where they are, um, I think is where I like to engage because Mm. people hold a lot of power in their homes and in their communities and in their churches, not on a leadership staff and knowing that and influencing that is tremendous, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to what you initially said in in with leadership is knowing God and knowing yourself and being able to be self-aware enough to know where your power begins and then where it mm-hmm. ends, where your influence starts and where it ends. And then same with with people like people who are influencing you or um yeah, kind of almost stewarding you is in what ways are they are they doing it in a god honoring way and in what ways are they doing it that mm. is not actually god honoring as well so going back to that piece of it's, it's yeah i think it's important to have that self awareness to know about your own power and awareness yeah, of that yeah absolutely mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. own opportunities your own situation really taking stock of what has god given me Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to engage with what has God given me the opportunities because there are spaces you know everyone's got their own circle of power uh, you know especially again when I think about engaging communities to to intervene on behalf of those we're trying to serve around the world you know those are connections of power I will never have right. like mm-hmm. if, and without you I will never get there and, right. and we will never get there and so you know really there's a real again this goes back to one body, many parts, and God has placed each part exactly where he intended to be. I have so much passion on that. And that is that is to be honored. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that is really to be honored. People are placed exactly where God intended them to be. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the things you you talked about, I've heard you I've heard you talk about is um, the importance of empowering women mm-hmm. and and female leaders, raising up female leaders mm-hmm. for ending slavery in the mm-hmm. world. Can you talk about that and why that is significant and important? Yeah. So again, most, you know, most of the violence around the world happens to women and girls. So when you, when you, when you look across sort of, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen to to men and boys, because it certainly does, but the overwhelming majority of violence that happens uh, is against women and girls. And when I think, especially in, in a North American context where I lead, um, you know, in it, when, compared globally, because we have our own systemic injustice that happens in the U.S. and Canada. So mm-hmm. let, let's just acknowledge that right off the bat. I'm talking, I'm pulling all the way back and looking at a global level. You know, there's just a lot of power that that sits um, in North America and a lot of power just by nature of, of life that sits with women. And so if only half of the church is engaging in the power that they've been given, um, you know, it, you know, if only men feel comfortable with engaging in, in the power God has given them. And, and we have to have that. We need to have that. That is actually the biblical godly model. We also have to have that for women too, because that's half the power, half, half the influence is sitting mm-hmm. there in that church. And if we got to move it. And so again, I think there can be historical because um, regardless of how you feel about women leading in the church, like the leadership and, and the influence that everyone has typically isn't debated. The women right. having influence typically isn't debated. And so honoring that and utilizing that is super important. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm passionate about it because, you know, I think when we think about women around the world, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, you know. I, I want women who, who have the opportunity and the power to engage on behalf of those who don't. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it's a, it's a huge passion for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's just strategic, Nick. Mm-hmm. If, if half the church, if ha- and, and even beyond the church, if half the society really is weird about using their power, we're mm-hmm. just not going to get it done. Yep. So it's mm-hmm. just, a, it's also just strategic uh, to, <laughs> to, to, to accomplish what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Is there a, is there a different level of effectiveness do you think given that the the majority of violence as you're saying is is done to women and girls is there like you're saying it's strategic because it's just there's just a population um, you know in terms of in terms of caring about this but is there an a, like a different level of effectiveness um that you've seen is that, I don't even know that's like in in the work with women engaging in at all different levels of trying to, of ending slavery like I don't know do you know what I mean I do know what yeah. you mean. And, and I, I think I would say there's a, probably a different level of connectedness yeah. and that, and that connectedness can, can drive how you engage. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think especially, yeah. And, and I think again, uh, when we think about a North American context where there's just all sorts of systemic injustice, um, you know, around, um, around race, around socioeconomic, you know, I think especially, you know, there's a lot in which women can relate to, even if it's not, you know, being enslaved in a rice mill or being trafficked. And like, there is, you know, there is a lot that I think women can, can relate to. And so I think, I think that can drive, I I think that can drive a, 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 
type of engagement that that really is core and quite passionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. I'm just thinking about the demands of of your role and of many people in leadership role and how it can be challenging and sometimes draining and there can sometimes be led to burnout. But I wonder how mm-hmm. you as a leader stay healthy and grounded. And I'm thinking, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, are there certain rhythms or practices in your life that you've put in place as a leader? You go for yeah. runs. You've already told us that. I do. <laughs> I go for runs harder when it's cold out. Um, yeah. But, you, you know, I, so thank you for saying that, Nick. So I am someone who who has experienced burnout. So, you know, within my within my, the leadership, I think, you know, especially over the years, again, an in, in international justice mission is an organization. We, you know, it's t- deeply tied to the heart of God. It's deeply tied to an urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we attract people who like to achieve in the best way. But you mix all that together. It's like achievers with like something, you know, God is passionate about and you know, and the urgency, it's like a, it's a great recipe for complete and total burnout. Like, it's just like, you just mix that together in a pot. And so I think the deliberate, like consistent awareness, we've got some spiritual formation practices um, that our, our founder put into place that I think are so grounding. We have stillness for 30 minutes every day, just centering ourselves with God and we also pray for the work corporately. Every single office does every single day for 30 minutes. And that act of corporate prayer reminds us that this is not all dependent. You know, we're not holding wow. up our corner of the world, so to speak, that, that you know, it is God who is at work. So those are sort of the everyday things that are helpful reminders. And I've appreciated those practices more in some season mm-hmm. than, than others. I'm not saying I'm always loving skipping right into them but they are always so good so um you know i think they're always so good but for me i don't overwork anymore i I honestly i i just can't physically so i've got some pretty good you know there's seasons you have those seasons but i actually know what burnout feels like and because i know that i know the warning signs when i'm getting too close Mm -hmm. so um so i think you know i don't like i think because we're human beings the physical actually is closely related to our mm. spiritual, which is yeah. closely related to our emotional. And like, that's all very impactful. And I had a friend who was in seminary and he had a, he had a professor who consistently talked about when people would come to him with, you know, I feel my soul, I'm in the dark night of my soul. Like I am depressed. Mm. The three questions would be like, how much sleep are you getting? are you exercising and what are you eating? And and, and really just kind of honestly looking at those things to, to take that out. um, Cause I think those really impact. And then again, you know, exercise important. Again, I, I also am a huge, I'm a huge proponent of people um, engaging with a therapist. I really Mm -hmm. am. I think you don't have to have something in that. And that's a, that's a blessing and that's a benefit and it's a privilege. So I, I know mm-hmm. that when I say it because not everyone can has access to mental health care. Yeah. Uh, but if you do, oh my goodness, it is so good. So good. You don't have to be in a crisis to, to have that really help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The piece you touched on, on, on burnout, and I know many leaders have gone that direction, um, but I know many leaders that don't want to go towards burnout. So yes. For you, I guess, even 
what what were the indicators or the the questions that you can ask yourself or that you know like hey I, I'm going towards this direction I don't want to head there I need to make some changes that's so great there's a great book that I read called Leading on Empty and um, I highly recommend it I haven't picked it up in years so uh, so I I'm not going to be able to pull passages from it um, just off the top of my head but I give it to all my leaders new time managers. Um, because it, uh, I think Wayne Cadero is the, is the, um, is the author and he was, uh, he is a, uh, a pastor, I think out of Hawaii. I, I think I'm remembering this all correctly. I hope I am, but I know for sure the book is leading on empty and he really talks about like, especially in ministry, here's some real common, common signs. And, you know, unfortunately I read that book cause I needed to read that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be great if people which is what you're asking, Nick, on the mm-hmm. front end, which honestly not a ton of people do. So I, I think you're just so ahead of the curve, which is, I would love not to do that. What do I need in place to get there? And again, I think it's just, I, I mean, probably the most simple word is just balance. And mm-hmm. so when you start to feel overtired, when you um, consistently, when when you can't turn it off, when, mm-hmm. when it's, you know, bleeding into those spaces that are precious, whether it's with friends or family or, you know, just enjoyment of life, you know, those are some real like bright, this is blinking. And if you mm-hmm. don't make the correction now, you're, you're going to get there. And so, again, know thyself. So be in touch with mm-hmm. be in touch with some of those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a pendulum. So sometimes you you might get there, you know, you, you might get closer to it. And then you've got some time to course correct and mm-hmm. go back the other way. And it's never a perfect thing. Balance is never a perfect thing. But my mm-hmm. goal is to keep that pendulum swing mm-hmm. from being so dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just trying to keep it a little slower, a little lower. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's probably, you know, I need to maybe engage more. And sometimes I really need to engage less and you know, it's like, it's, it's, um, I have a, Nancy Ortberg has this thing that she says, and she says, some things in life are a problem to solve, but most things are a tension to manage. So yeah. that I think finding balance, is not a problem. It is a tension to manage. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of managing that pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. We hope you've been enjoying this wonderful conversation, but Claire wanted to take a few seconds just to share some ways you could get involved more in the Regent College podcast. Totally. We at Regent, we love people being a part of the things that we're doing. And so there's a couple of different ways you can do that. If you've enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, let someone know, share it with them, share it with a family member, with a friend, with someone who you think would appreciate this and would love to hear it. That's the first way. Mm -hmm. Second way, you could, you could give us a rating or write a little uh, comment on one of the, on wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be another great way. And then the final way that you could uh, participate with us is if you've enjoyed the podcast and you'd like to give a donation to Regent College, then we would warmly receive that. You can do that by heading to rgnt.net forward slash give. And, you know, in the comment box, let them know that we sent you. Right, Nick? That's right. We do love hearing when people have appreciated the podcast. And so let you can let Nick know by sending an email to podcast at regent-college.edu. When Nick and I are having these conversations, it's sometimes hard for us to realise that actually people listen to these. And so when we get emails or we get a little note in the comment box on the donation page of our website, it just reminds us that people are actually listening and we love that. So please let us know that you're listening. Let us know if there are things that 
different profs that you'd like to hear from, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Just, Melissa, as we, this has been such a good conversation. I hope, I mean, I think it's definitely in the highlight of my week so far. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've only wow. just started, but, you know. Totally the highlight. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I wonder if you can kind of just, as we're kind of closing here, are there are there leaders or a leader in particular that you've looked up to or that's impacted you? Sometimes it's hard to ask the like answer the like, is there one person? So you know, sure. you can have a few if you need a few. Oh, but, thank you for yeah. yes, thank you for giving me that freedom because I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely would uh, would need that. So, um, Okay, so certainly our CEO and founder, Gary Haugen, wonderful person, a lot of mm-hmm. people know him. I think what I've learned from Gary, is Gary, one of his, my favorite qualities about Gary is he's very easy with a laugh. Like Gary is, a, is quick with a laugh. And I think just really holding things lightly enough where you can make fun of yourself and, totally. and you can make fun of, like that actually is just such a wonderful, beautiful um, way of engaging. I had a peer, um, a dear friend and, um, and fellow leader, his name is Kirk McKinnon and talk about someone who just delightfully funny brings humor almost to every situation, especially the ones that need to be diffused. And so if you can bring some humor to to some difficult, not taking it lightly, but like just, just bringing some humor to those things. It's, it totally changed. I, I would watch it play out because I actually am an eight on the Enneagram so I can bring the intensity <laughs> and just watching that play out in, you know, some difficult conversations totally changed the way um, I yeah. think about it. Mm. Um, my dear colleague, Sharon Cohn Wu, who just recently retired from IJM. Uh, there's no one smarter in the world, honestly, than Sharon. But what I've learned from Sharon is her questions always about people. So any leadership discussion, how does this impact people? How does this impact the individual who Mm. we're trying to serve? But how does this impact our team? So in an organization that's driving hard, always asking the question about people. Oh my goodness. She's such a wonderful, beautiful person. Mm. Um, I mean, I could, I could go on and on. I I feel like I, Oh, here's the last one I will say. Um, One of my direct reports for a long time, her name is Erica Boonstra, brilliant leader, um, recently just moved to Salesforce from IJM. And she had, she had this thing and it was so convicting, but she, she called it keeping people in the bad place. So when you are engaging with someone and consistently finding yourself, it's frustrating or it's irritating. She's, she would ask, do you have that person in the bad place? Do you have a lens through which you're looking at every action through right. and it's the bad place? And it's, uh, it was such a beautiful thing to say. And mm. a lot of the times I would be like, absolutely. I have that person in the bad place and mm. I'm looking at all of their actions through this lens and I need to pull back. And so that honestly was a, a real transformative, uh, just learning from her and that I feel mm. like I learned I, anyway, I'm Claire, I could like go on mm. for, for ages and ages. Um, and my first boss at IGM, Bill Clark, uh, he just, my, my, one of my favorite leaders, but he was just always, how can I help you? That that's all our one-on-ones were. He wasn't like this, this, and this, like, what do you need? How can I help you? And he was a safe place Hmm. to go to and be like, I don't understand what I'm doing here. I'm scared about this. And it it didn't impact how he saw you. He's like, Oh, well, let's do this together. And I, and I, I have tried to to model that in every relationship that I have with my team. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Oh, so good. Yeah. I want to meet Erica. I want to meet oh, them all. But, like, so keeping the film someone in the bad place. Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, then everything they do, then you're reading mm-hmm. it through that thing. It's like, that's so unfair. It's so unfair <laughs> and it's such a good, the bad place. So Yeah, totally. It's, I use it a lot. Yeah, it's super helpful. And we're almost at the end of our time. Is there anything that we that you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to say, or is there anything you wanted to anything else you wanted to share with us? No, this we is wonderful. Asked? I had it honestly. I could just keep going with you guys, <laughs> but I mean, truly, like we, I could really do this for a much longer period of time. So no, I'm just thankful. Thanks for having me on. It's just yeah. been a total delight, and um, thanks for you know. Truly, it's an honor that you asked me. So thank you. Yeah, no, we're yeah. so grateful for your time. Thanks for and thanks for all the work that you're doing and for letting yeah. us in on some of it. Yeah, it's good, <laughs> stuff. good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this. Visit rgnt.net. That is r g n t dot net.